hello and welcome to season two. Wow, still feels weird to say that. Episode two of Love Legacies, the podcast. And today our episode is entitled The Love Legacy of Education. And I have with me our family matriarch, my aunt, my Auntie O.C., affectionately known to us as Auntie O.C., but of course, um, she is a very accomplished educator and is also known as Dr. Bell. Hey, Auntie, how you doing? Fine, how are you? I am doing awesome. What a privilege it is for me to have you join me today. This has been, um, as I've talked about many times, this podcast has just brought me more joy than I ever could have imagined that it would. And I'm just excited to have you. I wanted to have you on because you have so much knowledge and wisdom to share, not just with our family, but for everybody who has a listening ear. And one of the reasons that we talked about Love's Legacy of Education um, and you came to mind is because you have always been such a fierce encourager of all of us, all your nieces, you, now your grandnephews, you don't have any grandnieces yet, but your grandnephews, making sure how things were going in school and that the parents were on on the right track to make sure that our babies had, your babies had the best opportunity for education. When did education become so important to you? Tell me a little bit about um, our family and education and, and how you became such a, this fierce advocate for making sure that children are well-educated? Well, I guess if I go back to my grandparents who were special to us because we lived in the, quote, city of Atlanta, and we got mm -hmm. a chance to go to the farm and do stuff that we oh. didn't. But it was there that I learned that neither of my grandparents had ever been to school. Wow, yeah. Okay, so now I'm seeing them work in the own property and stuff, and I'm wondering how that happens. How do you how do you know how to do that? But mm -hmm. it, for for them, it was coming to home, coming to them from the background of their slave ancestors. They were slaves. They did the fields. Mm -hmm. They learned. They that's all they could pass down because they were not allowed to learn to read or to write or go to school. Right. And so that at at in 1962 when I had my my child. I went down there to see Grandpapa, and I and I had a re some reservation about him eating the food that Grandmama cooked because it was going to be cooked with a lot of fat and stuff. Oh, so okay. I wanted to yeah. go and get some um, baby food. So Grandpapa took me up. I went in the car. He drove here to get mm -hmm. some baby food. And Gerber's had those tiny things of baby food. So I remember getting six, and he got a watermelon. So he was in front of me, and I was uh -huh. pushing him, and he pushed the cart on up there. And I kept hearing the noise of the cash register. I just kept hearing it, hearing it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what is that? So then he said, here, man, sign my, sign my name. Mm -hmm. And I looked down at the bill, and it was like $12 and something. I said, oh, oh wow. no. I said, oh, no, no. He said, no, it, it'll be right here when I get my check. I said, that's the problem. It'll be here. This right here is not $12 put it back. Mm. And I kept thinking my grandpapa cannot read. Mm -hmm. He's 90 some years old and he's had these people take his check and do all these wow. years. So you don't want to I asked my uh, my dad and all. He said no, they, they never did. So education was not 
formal education was not a priority, but you had mm-hmm. to learn how to farm and right. rotate crop and right. all that stuff. So my daddy consequently never got to high school. Mm-hmm. He married my mama. Mm-hmm. He's in school, but she never finished high school. Mm-hmm. So now here I am, young girl in the family, and, and I'm in school. And there were regulations and rules and procedures, and I had to deal with that because the teacher wanted it done this way. Right. My mama wanted us to have an education because she saw the value of it, I guess, and mm-hmm. I wanted to do it right. So daddy would come, and he'd look at what we were doing. He'd say, let me see your work. I didn't know my daddy couldn't read. Right. But he was showing his interest by letting me see. So I, I'd show him, and I said, Daddy, I did this. My brother Charles would say, Daddy, look at this. And he would say, can you figure? And you know what? Can- okay, so basically they they were telling you to make sure you could figure, which was another way of saying, I guess, make sure you had your schoolwork. Right. My my daddy uh, and mother, neither of them finished high school. So now we're in Atlanta in the elementary school and we have work or we're practicing our handwriting. And daddy would say, can you figure? Mm-hmm. And he, what he was referring to was, can you do arithmetic? Can you do numbers? Can you add? Can you subtract? But he would say, can you figure? So we mm-hmm. would practice that and we'd have the papers ready and he would look at us and say, oh, that's good. That's good. Encouraging us. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that he probably didn't know the, how to read at that time. So he would give us a nickel or a penny a time. And that made us feel encouraged. So we always tried to do our best. Mama would make sure you got your lesson, she called it, because she was busy making a home, cooking and that kind of stuff. Well, in the neighborhood, if we went outside playing, Miss Robinson was a teacher and a violin and, and taught music. But she would always say to me, Ozzie, you're going to be somebody. You know, you're smart. You're going to be somebody. Now, that's an outsider encouraging us. We didn't know it was called motivation or, mm-hmm. you know, saying things that were going to help push me up ahead in, in life. But those were the people. So I went through that all the way through high school. When I went to church, I had Dr. Martin Luther King to say to all of us in church, you need wow. to do well in school and you need to be prepared for college, you know. So my mother didn't have any money for college. She said it when you finish high school, that's it. I did go away to high school, to a boarding school, because I Washington High at that time had 5,000 children. And that was just, I couldn't hit, handle that number. Right. So when I counseled, when I counseled with, with Dr. King, he said to mother, look into that. I went to Gillespie Selden Institute in Cordia, Georgia, and I met competitive students who who wanted a good education and they challenged me. I challenged them. I have friends now that could easily have gone to college, but they didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. Only one parent. So that was a challenge. But that just showed me how important education, learning, either through a trade, a formal education, but you got to learn to deal with the world out there. And the world is based on some level of education, some level of training. You can't do it if you can't read. Like my grandpa, they took advantage of him for a while. Yeah. All his life, really. <laughs> he couldn't read. Wow. He just trusted them that they were going to do right. And they were just taking him and it just upset me. That that incident just made me know that I don't want to be in that shape. And I don't want my grandpa. Then mm-hmm. come to find out, most of those people in my uncles and, and aunts 
had not been to school. They were sharecroppers. They were farmers, sharecroppers. Really, they didn't own any farm. They were sharecroppers. Mother decided one day when the sharecropper, the owner came out and said, well, y'all didn't make anything this this year. Maybe y'all will break even next year. My mother mm. stepped up and said, yes, you did. She couldn't yeah. believe it. She knew that she had, her back was broken for plowing 40 more extra acres, and we didn't get paid. My daddy, on the other hand, would drop his head and say, that's familiar, yes, sir. And mother said, this is the last year. So we, that's when we came to Atlanta. And I think that's when our, life, our lives changed because we did see some progress. And our aunts and uncles who were here encouraged mama get out of the house and go get a job. And, and then naturally, we're going to be encouraged in school. So I just think that you can't, you, our people just can't make it without some formal training, home training, you know, right. and then a formal. How to live, how to make a living. That's yeah, you out there doing stuff to make a living. You got to know how to live too. We would call yeah. obedience, courtesy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He was the, I had a cousin, he was the oldest cousin. Mm-hmm. And he was in, co- in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never heard that word, but he would say, you're going to go to college, go to Claude. Got to join the sorority. You got to be this. Okay, yeah. So that was in my head. Now I get ready to go into college. I'm in college and I'm I'm working hard because my in science especially we didn't have brunch and learning and all that stuff in the school. Right. We had all my learning in science was books, papers. Mm-hmm. So you get the clock and Dr. Simpson has you come up to try to do. Oh, I was so afraid. So I would go home and I'd study, and my mother would turn the light because she tore the fuse out of the light box Mm -hmm. because I was studying from seven to seven. Seven at night to seven because I did not want to say I don't know. I had good instructors and they encouraged me. Hey, go to bed. Dr. Carl Holman. And I just, so I went through college on a student. Yep. Now I'm a teacher. I went to my graduate school. You got to go back to school? Go back to school. <laughs> AU. And I, I got a child now. I said, mm-hmm. no. But I knew that, that education was a stepping stone to where I wanted to go. And that, and that was just to take care of my boy, take care of my child. Make mm-hmm. So I had to go. My first job, I only made $238 a, year, a month. And, I, and that was up in Rome, Georgia. And I said, no. So I came back that summer, and I saw enrolling in, in a, at Atlanta University. I came home that summer and they enrolled in uh, AU for the summer mm-hmm. to take the courses. For some reason, I wanted to go in the area of special education because when mm. I worked in Rome, education was not a priority. Right. These kids had to farm until October. Then they came into my class. I already had the city kids way ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, here comes another class of children that not for any reason of theirs. I got to start over. Wow. And the teachers there were older teachers, and I'm young, and I was a little frightened of them because I thought they were good teachers. Miss Miss Jones was a good teacher, so I worked hard. No equipment, no no, just pencil and paper. So I came home one year, and I said, uh, "This lady is our gene supervisor." They call her. And I said, "Every time she comes in in my presence, she says this." In Rome, you do as the Romans do. Oh, wow. In Rome, 
do as the Romans do. In Rome, you do as the Romans do. Mm. I was setting the curve, trying to hide for some of the people because I was beginning to teach and not just right. talk. Children were learning. Mr. Acock was a principal, so Miss Ann, this lady that I was afraid of because she was such a good teacher, she went substituted for me once when her grandfather died. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid that she was gonna, he was gonna get her because I knew that was her grade. She she mm-hmm. retired from that. So I said, well, when I come back, I might as well look for another job because I know they're gonna find me. That morning, bell rang, class was started, mm-hmm. and the secretary called and said, Mr. Acock want to see you in his office. I said, oh. <laughs> Here it is. What's dinner ready to What's happen I now? To happen? He said, good morning. I said, good morning, Miss Acock. He said, why are you out? Uh, I had Miss Ann to substitute. Uh-huh. I said, yes, sir. And she told me that she came and she said, I don't know who this young lady is, but she is some kind of teacher. Wow. That oh, just lit. That just lit. I was, I, I was just so that lady to say I'm a good teacher, she was a she. Oh. So from that motivation, I came on back and went to AU, mm-hmm. got my master's. Mm-hmm. So I'm working in some of the neighborhood schools around Cedar Hill, as a matter of fact. And the professors at Georgia State, which I could not attend because it was segregated. It was segregated. And that is so crazy to even think about. But I know it's real. Mm -hmm. They paid my tuition at AU. Uh State paid Uh to teach because I could take it. So I I made it, took advantage of it. I know education is going to be my stepping stone. Right. So I got through AU, but they would always come to my class and want to put their student teachers in my room. Mm. So I could teach them how to teach. How to teach. They would come from Fort Valley, and Dr. Peach would take pictures of my class, my methodology. Uh Uh But then I said, I can't go to that school. So basically, you were a teacher's teacher because they were bringing, you were saying that they were bringing people into the classroom to figure out what you were doing and, and copying your methodologies and everything. So how did that kind of play out? That's that's true. You know, when as I as I got to the <clears throat> to finish college and got to graduate school at a, at AU, then mm-hmm. I went. I couldn't go to I couldn't go to Georgia State because Georgia State was segregated. But the state of Georgia paid my tuition at at our univer at our AU. By the time I got through with that, then Georgia State had to be integrated. So. Mm-hmm. These, these people who screamed me out or screamed me something in their minds, they felt like Blacks couldn't go through that. And I was the first Black in special ed. So now that I'm in, they have student teachers. They, they're trying to find classrooms in the city to put those teachers in so that another supervising teacher can teach them and they can see methodology. My classroom stayed. Well, I thought I had two a, a quarters. They were just there. And I, it made me think, now, my educational training has put me in this position. And you see something in me and in my work that you want me to, to imitate. You want your students to imitate. But mm-hmm. yet you still say, we can't go to school here. We, you know, we, we, don't, uh, we don't know. We can't learn. <clears throat> my children made history, learned the Constitution, papers, that class. I had 26 kids. Uh, 32 kids, 26 of them were boys at the bottom of the class wow. in the school. 
bottom 10%, 1% of school, all boys, six little girls. And I kept them for three years because it was a federal grant. I uh-huh. was chosen for that grant. I was chosen to be the teacher in that grant. When I left them in three years, I had two young men that were still classified as, they call them mentally retarded then, but they were, this boy was brain injured. He had some problems, but he knew how to use his hands. Uh-huh. Everybody else in that class scored out of that academic intelligence level that would have put them in a special ed class, every one of them. Then they wow. say, you know, you're, you're setting the curve high. You know, I'm not setting the curve. I'm just doing what I know to do and should do. And I do it well because I enjoyed it. All of my students. And people start calling me. You want to work for us? You know, work, I, you know, work at Georgia State. Then I got a job at Georgia State supervisor, <laughs> a preschool program. Uh-huh. I was the teacher. I was the teacher teaching teachers how to teach. Some of my little students didn't want to <clears throat> study. Didn't want to come in, give them lesson plans. They come in and prepare to teach. And I said, well, you didn't pass your lesson plans in on Friday. So I don't know what your plans are. Well, I'm just going to do, no, you're not just going to do. These are kids. You can't erase your mistakes off of these children. That was down in Edgewood, Fourth Ward, over Auburn Avenue. Wow. So I'm going to use them as guinea pigs, but I said, no, you have to prepare to teach these children. And I can't be your supervisor giving you a grade and you don't even give me a lesson plan. Something said on the paper, I'm going to teach him. We're going to teach him his ABC. ABC. I said, what does that mean? I'm going to teach you today. Are you going to teach them how to recognize them? You want to teach them how to recognize them in, in uh, alphabetical order? Are you going to sing the song to you? you? What does teach mean? I want you to explain to me in your plans. What does that mean? They said I was difficult. No. When you say mm. I'm going to teach them the alphabet, I want every detail that you're going to use. I want to know the method. We're going to do sequential. Then you can sing ABC song, you know, and touch Mm-hmm. Every letter in the child can sing A, B, C, but then if you let, take those letters in, alpha, in isolation, they don't know it. And that's not learning. That's just mem- It's just so much that has gone on in our world and with our children that nobody questions is this stuff I'm teaching usable? Can they use this? Is this beneficial? Now, that class down there was beneficial to the young women because they were going to get a master's degree. Exactly. They were going to get my grade. <clears throat> they were going to get mine. I, I, I said, no. We had four kids, four teachers. <laughs> what grade do you think this girl should have? She would say A. What grade do you think this one? B. What is this C? I said, that leaves only one other person without a grade, and that's you. What do you think? Well, I can't have it. I can't get to the program. Then you have to get this working. You mm. say, I can't give you a grade. I'm not giving you a grade. I was not given anything. I worked for it, and, I, it, and it pays off when you work for it. So I had teachers from Valley, mm-hmm. Georgia Southern, coming up, videotaping my class, uh, how you do this in the groups and all. How do you handle 32 children? And some teachers yeah. can handle six, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, I taught on the level of that child, motivated him, <clears throat> his learning style, and hands-on, you know, and that gets it. You know, I, 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 I learned the children. I can see some faces now of a little boy named Willie Mark. He could read to me, and the next day he was reading, and he'd get to the word Y-O-U, you. He stopped, and I said, Willie, what's wrong? I don't know that word. I said, you don't know that word? This word? He said, no. 
I knew what it was yesterday, but I don't know what it is today. Wow. And I said, well, what was it yesterday? What was it yesterday? He said, it was you. I said, really, anytime you see these three letters coming together in, in America, the word is going to be you. And I see his face. He said, golly. Like, he didn't know that. He didn't know. And my teacher would say, I said, well, what happened to you? Well, think about this. You come into school, driving your car, and that sign up that says stop. You stop going to work. But when it comes back, you don't know what it says. You don't know what it means. What did you do? Stop, run, stop. What about, you know, you have learned that anytime you see that shape and that word and that red, it's going to be you. I mean, it's going to be stop. Kids hadn't learned that. But when they left me, I, I just, I have pictures and I just think about those kids. That is remarkable that um, you still remember some of those kids <laughs> oh, and the yeah. impressions that they made on you. So I can only mm -hmm. imagine the impression that you made on them. Because I know as, yeah. as a kid myself, you know, like there were always so many books at your house. There yeah. were books at my house too. So I grew up around books. But you know, the simple things like that that make an impression on children. Yeah. Right. You know, when they come to school and you know they're hungry. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't you didn't do your work, but you're not going to capture us. Oh no, oh no, please don't do that. Don't ever take a child's meal from him as punishment. These kids right. don't have it. When you get out of your car, the first thing I see you do is run to the lounge for a coffee, cup of coffee. You can't mm -hmm. get your day started without coffee. So I, my kids have to eat. So how do you do? I say, I bring my two plate, two hour hot plate to, to school. I ask my friends to give me some surplus grits, some oatmeal, and we learn to read. What is this package called? What's the words on it? That's oatmeal. What is oatmeal? It's food. What can, when you eat it? Some kids, kids say we eat it all at breakfast. So you can eat it anytime because I eat mine mm -hmm. at lunch, dinner, whenever. And what are we going to do? We're going to make, we have to get clean our hands, put on our aprons, measure the water, how much water, all that's math. And then, and then I'm, and I'm doing a, what we call experience chart. I'm writing down that Bobby said you must wash your hands. Sally said, you need to get a measuring cup and put the, all the things they said. Then they, they remember what they said. So when I get to the chart, I said, all right, let's read this. I said, what's this? Bobby said this. They remember what Bobby said. Then they associate what Bobby said that they heard Bobby say to those words. Bobby said, you must always wash your hands. And those are not first grade, second grade, third grade words. Those right. words are getting up. My kids would get teased. Oh, you in special? No, you in spade. You are spared. And I didn't know what, what's a spade? They say you had special education. I said, why are they in special education? They can't read. They can't read. I said, oh, come here. You come in my room a minute. I said, read that mm. stuff right here. Ah, those words are hard. I can't, I, I can't. I said, now they come about it. Read that. Just going right through it. I said, now, if, if he's in here because he can't read, and I ask you to read the same thing he read, and you can't. Would you stop? Don't you want to stop calling him sped? Because you're referring to yourself. He can read. They would come to my door. I kid you not. And hang in the door. Oh, listening, wow. Wanting to come in. They say, I want to be in your room. I said, no, it's hard work. Up here. She said, it's hard work in the fifth grade, but it's fun with you. When you, you make it fun. And I did. 
boys like to throw and the marbles and shooting bowls. Our words were all over the dartboard, the bowling balls. We did. And it was interesting. But I knew what made them tick. Yes. And that is such a special thing for a teacher. Um, and, and you mentioned, um, you know, before that you had kind of been teaching, <laughs> I guess, all your life. But you have always mm -hmm. just been, you know, like I said, just a fierce encourager of all your nieces okay. and nephews, making sure that, you know, yeah. um, we made the grades we were doing well. To make. Yeah. We were and, well in school. What grade? Mm -hmm. What grade are you making? How are you doing this? What are you reading? Exactly. Um, exactly. How do you feel about school? I love it. What's your best? You need to do better. I said, you're smart. You can do better. I know you can do better. Just try a little harder. And when it happens and they see they can, they come back. I did it. I did it. I did it. Mm -hmm. My cousins, they knew. teach you how to live. You say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You clean your body. You clean your mother's house. You wash dishes. You help. That's, those are skills you're learning at home in that, this teaching environment. But when it gets in the classroom, then you transfer some of that learning into the classroom. Yes, right. sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, I'll take from the trash to the trash. It's a whole, it's a, it's, I guess it's a total person. You have to deal with them from top to bottom. If they don't have a good home life, I make it. They don't have clothes, yeah. I bring them. They can't come to school learning and they're cold and hungry. And we took care of all that and I made that into math, into, uh, you know, when we even got into fractions and how you divide this. It's, it's just a, it's a love, my love for education. And I, and I keep being prompted and being encouraged by it. If my granddaddy had had the opportunity as a descendant of slaves, mm -hmm. he would have been, he could have been anything. His right. children would have been motivated. But right. he didn't get that. He didn't get that. So I guess I take that part up and try to carry it on to the next generation from generation to generation. Well, you have certainly done that. You have certainly carried it on with your um nieces and nephews um your great nie great nephews don't have any great nieces yet but your great nephews so we certainly appreciate that he doesn't want to face me and tell me that he's in trouble he mm -hmm. asked him again i'm a teacher he'll write it to me i said well let's sit down he sat down with trash talk i said he's especially with language i said you know you learn some basic rules i still remember mine from third grade and I have to say those in my mind every night because I want to remember right, right, right. Mm -hmm. when you write I before E, except mm -hmm. after, after C. C. Mm -hmm. Okay. Auntie, I, I said, but it's in my head and nobody can take that out. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Right. So if we can get our children, if it's a comic, read something. Just read. Read to them. Mm -hmm. Read to them. Let them read to you. Right. And when he reads to me, I just cry. Yeah. It just brings tears. I said, He'll say, Auntie, Auntie, you don't have to cry. I said, it's joy. <laughs> Tears of joy, baby. Absolutely. Tears Absolutely. of joy. Absolutely. And now I have one nephew that I haven't had much contact with. Mm -hmm. He's in Carroll. I realized Zachary was in Carroll the night we slept Thanksgiving together. Mm -hmm. We played the game. Mm -hmm. And when we got into that game, what's that, uh, I can't remember yeah, which we one we were playing. Yeah. Uh -huh. But, you know, they gave you initials and you had to say what that oh, was. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Family. Mm -hmm. He was boom, boom, boom. I said, Zach, you are so smart. Mm -hmm. Zach, you are smart. 
every time you spend your report card, because I'm not here, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you a coke and I'm gonna give, I'm gonna send you a little money to put in mm-hmm. your pocket. Mm-hmm. He has done it religiously, and now he's a senior. He's a ninth grader. He's taking college courses. Mm-hmm. He's sending his card. I said no. I can't be able to get an educated step out. He said, Well, I'm thinking about this. I said, I don't care what you think about it. If it's a higher level of training, go. Go, do for, it. It. go, go yeah. for it. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I want to say um, that you have taught me a lot in this time with you. Even though some <laughs> of those things I knew, there were some facts and things that you told me that I just did not know. And I appreciate that. What a pleasure it is. What a blessing it is for us to have you to continue to share these things with us. But also, um, I want to say thank you on behalf of all the nieces and nephews, all the great nieces and nephews. Thank you for your love legacy of education. Because like you said, it may not be money that you leave us, but we will forever remember how Auntie Osie encouraged us, helped us, the the kids, our kids it's will remember the same the thing. thing. I mean, even Brianna yeah. being away, away. Zach yeah. being away, away, everybody will remember. Yeah, they, I, it's a concern, a love. I want you to do better. Yes. If you're going to carry on the legacy, you got yes. your kids. We don't, we don't want you to drop back. Just keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. That's hard work. Oh, yes, it is hard work. It is hard work. It is hard work. But anything worth having worth doing good on. So if you go get it, just dig. Go to the library. How do you, you just have to feed it. You have to, because the world is feeding them something else, you know. Exactly. If and you don't fill their bellies with something, they're going to fill it with what they want. And that's the counter for what the world, <laughs> world is, is telling them. That's right. Yeah. You can yeah. be. You are smart. You are going to be somebody. I like that. Oh, I love that. I, if you just do that from this, why can't you write that? I said, I love it. The handwriting, I said, now, you working on your handwriting? I, I have a bucket list. This is a man. If I had a bucket list, and if God would give me back the strength and the stamina in my legs, the one thing I'd like to do before I really close out this curtain is go back into a preschool classroom mm. where children are there to learn, parents mm-hmm. are cooperative, and let me teach that quarter. That's a, mm-hmm. I want to see the children just... Be eager to come in the classroom right. and ready to learn. You know, the they're going to have joy. That's what I think is missing. In this episode's love note, I just want to share with you that the taping of this episode hit me a little different this time. In this era of Black history erasure, I ask you, do you know your family history Are you passing it down to your children or your nieces or your nephews? After the taping of this episode, I actually have a correction to my own family history. My aunt does indeed have a great niece and a great, great niece and great, great nephews. I encourage you to leave something for your family. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be physical things. You can leave them the gift of knowing, the gift of knowing who they are. And I think that my aunt said it best in these words. 
industrial education, formal education, homeschool. Mm -hmm. You got they. It's a necessary. It's a it's, it's a necessary. must. It's necessary. Right. You gonna pass that generation? Or have it let him pass and get, leave him something to pass down. Leave mm -hmm. him the joy. His child, his grandchild. Those books. This is a book my grandmama read out of the story. Mm -hmm. Little Red Hen. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love mm -hmm. that. You can catch a new episode of Love Legacies on the 14th of each month. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We ask that you like, share, and subscribe on your favorite platform. And we thank you for listening. Until next time.